I tend to be anti-hype. You know, you know what I mean by that? Amen. Uh, some pastors are more um, on hype and hyping things. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I probably uh, should be a little more of a, of a pitch man or a hyper, hype man, whatever, hyping things than I, than I am. Um, I tend to err on the other side of that. Because I think, first of all, the things of God should speak for themselves. Amen. Um, and so I'm not trying to hype what we're talking about today, but I do feel like from the Holy Spirit that I, that I need to tell you that, that what we're looking at right now, um, we should not um, underestimate its importance. In other words, <clears throat> there, there are some things here, some truths here that are extremely, extremely important, not just for us, but for the body of Christ. As, as a matter of fact, some of the things in, that the Lord has been speaking to my heart of late about this subject in, involves this being one of the greatest problems in the body of Christ today, what we're talking about now. All right? And I, I, that's, that sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm hyping something, but I would not say that to you if I was not uh, confident and sincere that it's something the Lord has uh, spoken uh, to my heart, okay? So... Um, let's, um, let's jump in here at Luke chapter 6 and verse number 46. Jesus speaking, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose... The stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, I'm going to give you the simple answer as to why people call Jesus Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which he says. The simple answer, are you ready? Now, for some of you, especially if you're new to the study, it's going to require some ex explanation. But the simple answer, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? People call him Lord and do not do what he says because they have Philo for him in their hearts, but no agape. They have philo for him in their hearts, but no agape. Have you ever ridden past a, a beautiful home and said, Honey, look at the foundation on that house. We never say that. We may talk about the brick color. We may talk about the, 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 the pitch of the roof or the gables or or the, the landscaping, you know, all those things that are, that are visible. But rarely, if ever, do we even comment on the foundation, and that's because the foundation isn't even visible. You can't even see the foundation of a house. But that is, of course, the most important aspect of the house. If the foundation is not right and solid, then anything that's built will be compromised um, in the future. In other words, it, it won't stand. It won't, it won't last. And so many of God's people, and listen to me, please, His loving us is, is without question. His desire for us, you know, I've said this over and over, you know, throughout the years, would to God that we longed for Him the way He longs for us, that we desired Him the way He desires us. He is for you. He is not against you. He, he, Father God sent Jesus to die in your place just to give you the opportunity to come back to him should you decide to take it. He sings over you while you sleep at night. He numbers the hairs upon your head. I hate to use words like this, but, but we, could, we could make a case for an obsession here. He is obsessed with you in the most holy and godly of ways. Amen. And he only wants good for you. And, and Jesus explained this to us in the Bible in the same way that, that, you know, 
a father who could even be evil, still an evil father, for the most part, is going to want good things for his children. He says, how much more then do I, does our Father in heaven desire good things for you and for me? But what we also know from Scripture, without you know, doing a three-part sermon series to, to shore this up you know, from, the, from the Bible, we also know from Scripture that His ability to work in your life has a lot to do with your willingness to cooperate with Him. In other words, Father God's not just going to kick down the front door of your heart and make you bow your knee to Him and make you obey Him, force you. That's not how He operates. And so it's a willingness on our part. One of the the fundamental statements that the Lord has been saying to us time and time again over the last eight or nine months is that He can only take us as far as our trust in Him will allow. He can only take you as far into the life that He created you to live as your trust in Him will allow. Now, we see that there's two men and presumably... Both of these individuals called Jesus Lord, Lord. Both of them referred to him as Lord, but only one of them did what he said. The other one called him Lord and heard what Jesus said, but he chose to build his house, or we could say it this way, he chose to build his life as he saw fit. He he chose, and listen to me now, if you just go and build a house without digging deep and laying a good foundation, let me tell you what you've done. You've taken the path of least resistance. Or we could say it another way, you're taking the easy way out. You're, you're, you're doing things your way, and you're, you're doing things, um, you know, cutting corners, so to speak. And if you built a house without digging a foundation, then it's really all about show, Right? In other words, you're just trying to impress somebody with what's visible, with what's seen, as opposed to working together with the Lord to do the hard part, which is to get your life established and founded upon the right foundation. Because if you will cooperate with the Holy Spirit and get your life on the right foundation, no matter what you face in life from this point forward, you will come out the other side of it victorious. Amen. So... The enemy is, of course, involved in all of this because he's the one who, who brings resistance in certain areas of our lives. Um, and, if, and if we give in to the resistance that the enemy brings uh, against us, how do we give into it? By avoiding it. By avoiding it. I had, I had a dear friend and brother who, who um, he, he came to a great revelation in his life. And he said, Pastor Mark, I'm, you know, this is going to sound so simple to you. He said, but the Lord revealed to me that I can do hard things. And for him it was such a breakthrough because so many times in his life when things got hard, he quit. When things got hard, he went and did something else. When things got hard, he didn't push on through to, to finish it. He said, and I finally realized, you know what, yeah, this is hard, but I can do hard things. And with the Lord's help, we can not only do hard things, but with the Lord's help, we can do all things. Amen. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. So we have two men. We have the one who was willing to to do the work. Amen. We have one that was willing to not just hear what Jesus said and call him Lord, but but he was willing to hear it and then, to the best of his ability with the Lord's help, put it into practice in his life and in his family. We have another man who heard what Jesus said, called Jesus Lord, but really did little to nothing of what Jesus said. Now, what I want to strive to do in the time that we have left this morning is show you that the fundamental difference between these two men, yes, was one did what Jesus said and the other one did not do what Jesus said. But again, the fundamental difference is one of these men had philo for the Lord. The other had both philo and agape for the Lord. Okay. In other words, the one who said, Lord, Lord, but did not do what Jesus instructed him to do, this was a man who had fond, affectionate feelings in his heart for Jesus. That's what the Bible calls philo. I'm fixing to put those up on the screen, so just stay with me. He had philo in his heart for the Lord. Um, Jesus had a special place in his heart. You say, well, Pastor Mark, how, how do you know that the Bible doesn't say that? He took the time out of his busy schedule to go sit down and listen to Jesus teach. 
he took the time out of his busy schedule to, to, to go and pay attention to Jesus and sit in meetings and, 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 and hear Jesus, you know, attend Jesus' classes, if you will. It's, it's not that this man didn't know. And so you have to put some effort into hearing. You have to put some effort. I believe this man took notes. I picture this man sitting on the front row, taking notes, writing down. I picture this man saying amen and, and preach on Jesus, right? So Jesus had this, this, this fond, affectionate place in, in this man's heart, but this man did not follow through and, and, and do the work to put into practice in his life and family the things that he learned from Jesus. The other man, on, on, on the other hand, he also had uh, a fond, affectionate place in his heart for Jesus. He also took time out of his busy schedule, maybe took precious vacation time from his job to, 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 to walk out into you know, the countryside where Jesus and a large crowd had gathered, and, and, and he too heard these sayings of mine. Jesus had a lot of sayings. Are you understand what I'm saying? Um, in other words, this, this to me implies that these uh, men if you will, um, attended multiple meetings that Jesus had. He didn't say they heard something I said. He said they've heard these sayings of mine, implying most, if not all, of the things that Jesus taught. But you've got a man who, again, because of the fond, affectionate feelings that he has in his heart for Jesus, he attended Jesus' meetings. He listened to what Jesus had to say. But we see this man also had, alongside his philo for Jesus, he had agape for Jesus. Meaning what? Meaning, as an act of his will, he chose to follow through on what Jesus said and put it into practice in his life. Now, let's go back up, praise God. And I know that some of this is review, and I do not apologize for it. Um, I think before we can ever really lay hold of what it is the Holy Spirit's saying to us is that we've got to become more familiar with these terms, philo and agape. I told you last week that the original audience that Jesus spoke these words to would have known exactly what he meant when he used you know, philo, and they would have known exactly what he meant when he used the word agape. These were words that were in their vocabulary, in their Greek language. These were words that they used, and they recognized that there was a connection and a relationship between these two words, but that, they're, that they did not mean the same thing. Now, for those of you who are new to this study, let me put this up on the screen. In our English Bible, you'll be reading along, and you'll see the word love. Well, in the original language, there were at least four different words in the Greek with four different meanings that are translated into our singular English word love. So, for example, when Jesus says to love your enemies, he's not saying philo your enemies. Philo is what we often think of when we think of the word love. Philo is a feeling. It's warm, fond, affectionate feelings, and it's often associated with friendship, somebody that you enjoy spending time with, somebody that, you know, uh, shows up at your house and, and you're happy to see them and don't feel compelled to start, you know, scraping all the junk mail in, into the oven to, to, to clean up. In other words, you just, you're, they're friends. You just enjoy their company, right? Amen. So this is philo. We get our word friend from this. Uh, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. So this is the, the, the Greek word for uh, love, philo, and it means warm, fine, affectionate feelings. Remember now, we said that both of these men had philo for Jesus, but one of them had philo without agape. The other had philo with agape. So agape, again, if you're reading along in your English Bible, you're going to see this word love. It, it could be philo. It could be agape. That's just, this is why we need, and there's they're free online resources, to, to see exactly what the, the individual word means. So in the original language, the word agape means to esteem. It indicates a direction of the wheel. A direction of the wheel is, is, let me just simplify that for you. It's talking about a choice. An act of your will, a direction of your will, is meaning that you have chosen to do something. Okay? And it's an act of the will. Agape includes or carries with it the ideas of things like duty, obedience, respect. Are you seeing this? Devotion, even service and faithfulness. Okay? See, again, because we have this limited understanding of love, 
we think if there are no fond, affectionate feelings in our heart that we must not have love or we must not be capable of loving. That's why people read Love Your Enemies from Jesus and, and they think, well, there's no way I could ever do that. I could never be that spiritual. But see, we're, we're talking about philo your enemies. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said agape your enemies. Do good to those who are not good to you. Pray for those um, who spitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. He's not, ta- he's, he's not talking about philo here. He's talking about um, you as an act of your will choosing. Well, I'm not getting any amens or even grunts or nods this morning. You, he's talking about something that we choose to do now. And, and by the way, the choice is yours. And the choice is mine. Okay? So when Jesus said... Um, when Jesus said this, when Jesus said in John 14 and 15, if you, if you agape me, keep my commandments. See, we, we have this in our English Bible. We have, if you love me, keep my commandments. But, but Jesus didn't say, if you philo me, keep my commandments. He said, if you agape me, keep my commandments. If you agape me, keep my commandments. Now, let me just run through some of these notes if I could please all right and we'll just see how much time we have this is the statement I referred to a moment ago I believe philo for Jesus without agape for Jesus is one of the biggest problems we have in the body of Christ I I haven't said that I've never understood that really until just the last few weeks I believe philo for Jesus without agape for Jesus is one of the biggest problems we have in the body of Christ why is that you can have philo for Jesus and never do anything he says Now, I want to go ahead, I've been prompted three times now to say this, and I keep saying, well, I'll say it later, it'll fit better, but I just need to go ahead and say it, okay? All right. Father said, because again, he's wanting to work in your life, right? he's, He's wanting to work together with you. He's wanting to carry you somewhere that you can't get to by yourself. But he can only carry you and take you as far as your trust in him will allow. And so this may sound like an odd way of saying it, but this is, this is the way it just landed in my heart, okay? When we have philo for the Lord and no agape, he can't get any traction in your life. He can't get any traction in your life. In other words, he's trying to move you from where you are right now to a higher place, right? Remember, it's an upward call. Father wants to take you to a higher place today than you were at yesterday. He, it, it, his call is... is is continual improvement, continual growth, advancement, development, right? And, and that's on a personal level with you. That's, that's, that, that would then be your family. It would then be our family of faith. All the way up to his kingdom. His kingdom growing and advancing and developing, taking more and more uh, of this earth for the glory of our Father. Amen. And so our God is, is a God, listen to me please, results matter to him. Results matter to him. You growing, you maturing, you developing in, in, in the life that he created you to live and intended for you to live. You growing up into Jesus in all things is how the Holy Spirit said it through the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians and then to us. Growing up into Jesus in all things. See, this, this is Father's desire for your life. And man, he has made so much of, of, of who he is and what he has available to you and to me so that can happen in your life he's given you his love the same love that he loved jesus with he's given you his glory the same glory that he gave to jesus i mean again we could do multiple part series studies on this we've studied these things in the past he's given you his holy spirit he's given you his righteous his right standing he's given you his holy word he has stacked the deck i mean no disrespect by using that kind of terminology but he has literally stacked the deck in your favor But as long as we splash around in the shallows of Philo, Father cannot get the traction that he desires to have in your life to move you forward and upward and onward into the higher levels of quality of life and fruitfulness that he created for you to experience and enjoy on a daily basis in your life and your family and your family of faith. Amen. So you can have Philo for Jesus and never do anything that he says. Fond... And affectionate feelings for Jesus is not the same as trusting him enough to do what he says. Doing what God says requires trusting him, 
Doing what God says requires esteeming Him and His ways above yourself and your ways. Right? Now, let me just keep going here. I, we're going we're to get into what I think is going to maybe really unlock some understanding here for all of us, okay? Let me stay focused here for just a moment, okay? So, philo without agape. Let's, let's go back to it now. I'm going to put it back up on the screen. Philo without agape. Meaning what? Meaning you have all these warm, fine, affectionate feelings with Jesus. Jesus, I am a friend of God, singing at the top of your lungs in the shower every morning, okay? Jesus, such a special place in my heart. Right, Jesus is my everything. Jesus means the world to me. Jesus is so special. Jesus is is is. Amen. I'm not I'm not trying to trivialize all of that. We'll talk about where all that has its place. Okay, but see, if you have all of that without the proper estimation of His importance and worth, without surrendering your will, without recognizing that agape carries with it the idea of duty, respect, obedience devotion, service, and faithfulness. Are you with me this morning? I hope you're here this morning because you feel oh, the Lord. Are you with me? But it's more important to Him, even, that you don't just have philo in your heart for Him and you're here today because He has this warm, fine affection. You have these warm, fine affectionate feelings for Him. He's hoping that you're here this morning because you recognize it's your duty are you following this, right? That, that you're here because of devotion. Because let me tell you what happens. If it's just about philo, because feelings are fickle. Watch this. Anybody ever come and you didn't feel like it? I'm the first one to raise my hand, right? So all of y'all are here every time, right? Amen. You ever come and you didn't feel like it? Ever come when it's like, you know what? We'll catch them on the flip side next week, you know? It's been a long week. I'm tired. I'm this. I'm that, you know? See, it's, it's sad to me because we, we've, we've made, let's go back to Peter. Remember, the Lord kept saying to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter's like, no, Lord, I philo you. Are you kidding me? Because in Peter's estimation, agape was like some kind of mundane, unimportant, less than love for the Lord. He's like, Jesus, I believe that the tone of it, the understanding of it was something like this. Jesus, I don't just agape you. I philo you. I have graduated beyond agape. And because of that, we, we've tried to put agape into the category of drudgery, you know. It's like, well, you know, I'm here, but I don't want to be here. No, I'm here because I'm devoted to what the Lord wants to do in my life. I am committed to what God wants to do in my family. And, and everything that God wants to do for me, in me, and through me begins with me showing up. Matthew has a statement he's made for years around here. He said that when you, when you don't feel like it and you worship God anyway, it counts double. Because, and, and, and really, man, if you think about it, that's the difference between philo and agape. It's like, man, you know what? I, I am heavy this morning. My heart is heavy. I, I, I got a lot going on. I, my focus is, 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 is divided and, and trying to be pulled elsewhere. And I really and truly don't feel like praising God today. I don't feel that rush of emotion. I don't feel that. I had a man one time tell me that he only raised his hands in worship when he felt that in his heart because he believed he was being hypocritical if he lifted his hands and didn't feel something. Of course, I tried to be gentle with him. I said, so what do you do with the verse that says, offer to God the sacrifice of praise? My friend, we're not being hypocritical when we worship God and, 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 and praise God when our, we don't feel like it. We're, we're being devoted. We're saying, you know what? I, my feelings, are, you know, which way are they blowing today, Right? Do you, do you see how all that kind of coincides with, with not much of a foundation? But do you see how agape, and I'm going to do this whether I feel like it or not, because this is what Jesus said, and he's never been wrong, and he's always right. And, and he knows more than I know, and he sees things I don't see. And so I'm going to put my head down, and I'm going to keep digging through all these past mindsets and all these lies and things that I thought were true my whole life. And I'm going to get down to something solid, and I'm going to build up from there. Watch this. 
assuming that these men were building their houses simultaneously? Who do you think finished first? Right? I bet people were like, man, what's wrong with you dragging your feet? That guy's putting a roof on his house. We, we don't even see. Are you, what are you doing, man? Are you not working over there? See, he was doing something that nobody saw. Remember what Jesus said? He said, when you pray, not if, when you pray, you go into your closet and you shut your door and you speak to your father in the secret place and then your father will do what? He will reward you openly. See, this guy's doing stuff that nobody's noticing. This guy is, is following through on things that Jesus said that, that aren't necessarily making it on the front page of Charisma Magazine or whatever it is, right? But, but he, he's, he's digging in. He, he's determined that he's going to do what the Lord said and see it through to the end. That's agape. It wasn't like he was like, man, I can't wait to go out here with this pick and start digging through this dirt again. That is, if you've ever built anything, that's not the fun part. That's not the enjoyable part. And so this guy's over here, man, he's, he's got a house out of the ground. He's got, you know, roof going on. He's got trades in there starting to wire and plumb and all this other stuff. And he's still over there swinging a pick. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who didn't understand that, was thinking that he was not nearly as spiritual as this guy over here who's making all this progress, right? Y'all know I teach a lot of classes at the Foundry and and this is by no means a hard and fast rule, but, but years ago I used to think that the people on the front row were the ones who were getting it and the people on the back row were the ones who were just there because they had to be. Cecil, I'd never embarrass you, my brother, but you sit on that back row. But you got it. <laughs> See what I'm saying? There's the folks up front with their hands raised, asking all the questions, taking all the notes. Oh, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, right? Listen, I, there's still a lot of them that are doing really well to this day. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of that, but you know, just because it looks like somebody's getting it or it looks like somebody is slow to get it, right? Maybe they're not rushing in, but they're saying, you know what, okay, this is what he said. I'm going to find it in the Bible for myself. Oh, really, is that the case? Well, I've never heard it that way. Let me see if this is true. And they search the Scriptures for themselves. Are you following what I'm saying? Maybe some of them watching this morning, Cecil, there's a lot of folks that graduated the foundry with you that when the rain started falling and the wind started blowing and started beating on their lives, they crumbled like a cheap lawn chair. And if I'm embarrassing you, I apologize, but I, I'm just, it's just a classic example of what we're talking about this morning. Digging deep getting it right not trying to be a flash in the pan and impress everybody with how spiritual you are but I'm going to know this and I'm going to do this because this is important it's not just the warm fond affectionate feelings that move us in the moment but it's the esteem which indicates the direction of the will the obedience, the duty, the respect the devotion, the service and the faithfulness Now, let's go back to this because this is important. Philo alone will never teach you to trust God. Learning to trust God begins with your estimation of Him. Okay? Your estimation of Him. I'm, I've said this one already. Let's go back to it. Doing what God says requires trusting Him. Doing what God says requires esteeming Him and His ways above yourself and your ways. Philo without agape creates an emotional connection to Jesus that seems strong and durable, but is actually weak and shallow. Remember, Peter, hours before he denied he even knew who Jesus was, was vowing that he would die with Jesus and for Jesus if necessary. His philo deceived him into thinking he was more committed than he actually was. His philo for Jesus made him think that he trusted the Lord more. And now here's the sad part, because this is where it begins according to the definition. His philo for Jesus deceived him into thinking that Jesus was far more important to him than he actually was. 
Stay with me now. We're going somewhere, okay? Philo alone will never teach you to trust God. Learning to trust God begins with your estimation of Him. Remember, we said that agape, let's put it back up now. I'm just walking you through it. If I'm being too repetitive, you just pray for me, okay? Agape, notice the the first two words in the definition, to esteem. Esteem, E-S-T-E-M, to esteem, all right? To esteem. Let me get down a little further in my notes, all right? When you esteem something, okay, when you esteem something, this means that you, you place a value on it. You recognize its worth. You, you recognize its importance. Okay? All right? So, when Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say, calling Jesus Lord while not doing what he says is a classic example of philo without agape. Now, I'm not going to repeat all of this from last week. We covered this extensively last week. But let me just remind you, this is important now. Lord is not a term of endearment. Nor is it a pet name for Jesus. I am not your judge. I know that more today than I have ever known it and understood it in my life. I am not your judge, okay? And only the Lord knows your heart. But be careful calling the king and creator of the universe the good Lord or the man upstairs. Okay? The man upstairs is the guy who plays his music too loud in the apartment above you. Okay? Are you following me? Okay? Now, he is good, and he is Lord. Right? But we throw good Lord around too much. Too casually, too flippantly. Lord is a title. Lord is a rank. If you've ever served in the military, if you have pet names for the men who rank over you, you never say them to their face. It's about respect. You listen to me, please. It's about respect. Lord is a title that denotes rank and commands the highest respect and worship. So let's get this straight, all right? And, and maybe I'm not going to make any promises because I just want to be led by the Spirit more than anything else. But maybe we can slip on past this next time, okay? But we're going to stay here until we are released, amen? Is that okay? All right. So here is another way of me trying to help us all connect with agape. Agape is love based upon your esteem of a person and is expressed in choosing obedience, duty, honor, respect, devotion, and faithfulness. Okay? This is the part the Holy Spirit just kept emphasizing to me over and over again to emphasize to you. It begins with esteem. How you esteem the Lord. Esteem is the respect or regard you give to a person and their position. Now this helps me to really wrap my heart and mind around esteem. If you take the word esteem and think one of its derivatives is this concept of an estimation. Have you ever had something estimated? If you've had your home appraised, that's someone who has looked at your home and they've given you the value, the worth of your home. So when we talk about esteem, it's related to estimation. Esteem would be the value that you place on that person, who they are and what they mean to you. So agape 
is based upon your estimation, your esteem of an individual. So we're talking about agape for the Lord. We're talking about something that's based upon your estimation, your esteem. How you esteem a person would be how important you think that person is to you. Okay? Still with me? Now, this is extremely important. Don't misunderstand. Just just follow along. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Agape, all caps, is not expressed in words but in actions. There is no such thing as agape with no action. Esteem expressed in words is praise. Are you with me? In other words, if, if, if you want to express audibly your esteem of the Lord, okay, then that's praising God. And so when we say things like Jesus means the world to me, I have no problem with you saying that, okay? Jesus is my everything. Man, he is. God help us know that the truth of that. We're nothing without him. We can do nothing without him. We don't even exist without him. Are you hearing me? He... He is our everything. He's our breath, and we sing it. You're the air I breathe. All of these things. And listen, now, don't misunderstand me. That's important. That That is using words to express your esteem, your estimation, your adoration for our living Savior. Worship is different from praise. Worship is an attitude of the heart that recognizes who you are in relationship to who God is. So esteem is important. Esteem expressed audibly in words is not agape, it's praise. Let me see if we can say it this way. This might help you. It helped me. Agape obeys because of who is asking, not because of how you feel in the moment. Agape has... See, maybe I have an own independent slide that says this, okay? Agape has nothing to do with feelings. And, and we, we have become so accustomed to getting an early morning feelings report before we even decide what we're going to do for the day. Right? Any idea how many people I've asked over the years? You, you going to be at church in the morning? Ah, it just depends on how we feel. See, that's, that's philo. Agape is about commitment. It's about duty. Let me keep going here. Agape obeys because of who's asking, not because of how you feel in the moment. Agape is not expressed in words. Agape is expressed in actions based upon an estimation of the individual's worthiness or deserving. Agape always considers who's giving the command. Agape always considers the rank of the individual who gave the instruction or who spoke the words. So agape is not expressed in words. It's expressed in actions based upon an estimation of the individual's worthiness or deserving. So, see, when, when we just base it on philo and how we feel about the Lord in our hearts... I'm not saying that that's necessarily a negative thing, but if that's all we have, it's going to be very shallow, very fragile, okay? But when we start acknowledging that he's the creator, I'm the creation, he's the potter, I'm the clay, he knows all, I know little, um, he made it just fine without me, I don't even exist without him, we start recognizing the importance, the, the, the esteem, the value, the, the trustworthiness uh, that that he uh, deserves, now we're putting ourselves in a position to do what he says to do, amen, not based upon how we feel, but based upon who he is and our agape for him. Our agape for him, you can talk all day about how much you love the Lord, and I'm not saying that's wrong. Matter of fact, we should do it more. Let's go back to the question. Why do you say all that and not do a thing I say? Why do do you say you love me and you don't keep my commands? Why do you call me Lord? Why do you say I am supreme authority over you? I am your master. 
and you don't do anything I say. See, again, it's because we're letting our philo deceive us into thinking that's enough. So, again, how do we know? Your agape for the Lord is reflected in your obedience, duty, honor, respect, devotion, and faithfulness to Him. See, if we'll do what He says, if we'll recognize that as His children bought with a price, that it's our duty, it's our responsibility. See, if we'll come to Him with that kind of attitude, see, now that's something He can work with. Or let's use the expression a moment ago. He can get some traction there. All right. One, one last um, passage and then we'll partake of communion. Can you take one more? All right. It's a strong one. Are you sure? All right. Malachi chapter 1. I'll put it up on the screen. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. He says this. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Now, you're going to need a little explanation here. We hear despise and we think hate. Despise means to have a low estimation of. To light, literally, literally it means to lightly esteem. To lightly esteem. So let's read it again. To you priests who lightly esteem my name. Yet you say, in what way have we lightly esteemed your name? Do you see? Now we're in the Hebrew obviously now, but do you see the philo? without the agape, and they're like, hold on a second, man, what are you talking about, Lord? You're my everything, man. Verse 7, you offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the table of the Lord that he's talking about here is when they would bring animal sacrifices to sacrifice them to the Lord. Am I losing you? I feel like I'm losing some of you. They would bring the animal sacrifices to offer them to the Lord. And the instructions were very specific they were to bring the best of their flock. If you've ever heard Keith Moore talk about this, he, he, he says that when Abel brought that first offering to the Lord, that he didn't just pick any old uh, sheep, but he picked fluffy. He picked the best one. He picked the most beautiful one, the most perfectly shaped one, right? The best of his flock. So what they were doing is that they would bring the animals that were sick or the animals that, you know, maybe had been a attacked the night before by a wolf and was on its last leg or, or you know, ones that were, you know, born with some, some kind of, of dysfunction or whatever. And those animals that they didn't really want in their herd anyway, they would bring those and offer them to the Lord. Are you seeing this? And God is like, where's my honor? He said, try that with your governor and see how he likes it. Let me pray for you. Father, much to say on this. And I thank you, Father, that you're taking the words that we're saying here and you're speaking to us individually, personally, intimately, Lord God, helping us see how all this fits in with our walk with you. And Lord, what adjustments we need to make. Father, the simple prayer this morning is that we would not just settle for having agape in our hearts for you, but that we would work towards developing the, the um, I'm sorry, Lord, that we would not just have philo in our hearts for you, but that we would work towards developing agape. Lord, the, the kind of devotion, the kind of obedience, the, the kind of humility and, and, and duty, even, Father, 
that is so necessary for you to be able to do in our lives what you so desire to do in our lives and through our lives, Lord. Father, as we come now to your table, Lord, we, we do so highly esteeming you. Father, th- this, th- this supper and, and, and these ordinances, um, Lord, that Jesus uh, gave us commandment concerning, Father, um, we realize the, 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 the sacred, holy nature of what we're about to do. And, and Father, we come to it with the utmost respect in our hearts for the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of our Lord. Um, and Father, help us as we move forward uh, in, in, in this day and in, in, in the week ahead, uh, Lord, to uh, recognize areas in our lives where we need more agape uh, to go along with the philo that we already have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's stand together this morning. Praise God. We're going to partake of communion together. If you do not have your emblems, we, there's some available on the back tables there. Um, our children are coming in as well, so we'll obviously like to involve them in this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. So the table of the Lord is, is different. We read about this in Micah where... Um, for them, the, the, the sacrifices were animals, but for you and for me, the sacrifice was none other than Jesus himself. And on the night that he was betrayed uh, in, into the hands of angry men, he had a meal with his disciples in which he broke bread, and then he served um, uh, wine without any leaven, bread without any leaven, so that means it would have been uh, you know, no alcohol in uh, the, the grape juice and, and no leaven um, or yeast in the bread because the leaven in the bread or the yeast in the bread and the yeast in the, that was added to the grape juice to, to make it, uh, to you know, ferment and create alcohol was considered to be a, a physical version of corruption. And so there was no corruption in the bread, there was no yeast in the bread and there was no uh, yeast in the juice because Jesus, of course, body had no corruption. His blood had um, no corruption. And so he presented to them um, a singular loaf of bread that he then broke, symbolizing at least two things. One, his body that was to be broken for us, but that also they all ate from the same loaf. It wasn't multiple loaves of bread, but one loaf, amen, representing one body, the body of Christ. And then he passed around a single cup, and they all drank from the same cup, um, again, symbolizing multiple things. The unity that we've all been made one by the blood of Jesus, but also in the old covenant, the, the blood of the animal sacrifices that ratified that covenant, it was sprinkled on the outside of their bodies. Jesus used the same terminology as Moses, but he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. That's what Moses said, this is the blood of the covenant, right, as he sprinkled it on them outwardly. Now Jesus uses that same terminology, this is the blood, but then he says, of the new covenant, amen. And instead of sprinkling it on them outwardly, he told them to take it in, to drink it inwardly, symbolizing, signifying what? that the work that God was going to do through the blood of Jesus would be something that started deep on the inside of us and then worked its way out as opposed to something um, trying to affect us from the outside in. Amen. All right. So with that said, let's, um, let's peel back this first layer and remove the wafer if you haven't done so already. Praise God. And let's pray. Father, as we hold this unleavened wafer up before you, um, Father, this is not about uh, a meal of, of how it tastes or, or what the flavors or the seasonings are, Lord. This is about what this unleavened wafer represents. It represents the body of Jesus that was never corrupted by sin, that was broken for us, um, broken with um, thorns in his brow, uh, broken with blows to his face and head and body, and then broken with a whip on his back. And your word is very clear, Father, that um, those stripes and the breaking of his body was for our salvation, it was for our healing, it was for our redemption, and it was so that we could be made new by a new covenant. And so, Father, with 
uh, tremendous um, uh, philo in our hearts, but Lord, also with an overwhelming sense of uh, esteeming you highly and recognizing our duty where your body is concerned. We partake of this bread together now. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, we hold this cup up to you. Just a little thimble full of juice, Father. What, what significance could it, could it carry, some might ask. And yet, Father, the significance that it represents and carries goes beyond our ability to comprehend as humans on this side of eternity. Father, the blood that was spilled for us, the precious blood of your Son, as he gave his life for our salvation, as he gave his life so that we could be redeemed from our sin and set free from it. Father, he allowed our sin to separate him from you so that we could then be joined together with him and brought back into fellowship with you. Father, because of this blood, we now have opportunity to fellowship with you the same as Jesus himself. And so, Father, as we act on faith and obedience to your word, doing it because we enjoy it and have some uh, affinity in our heart, emotional response in our heart as we do it, but, Lord, also representing uh, and recognizing the duty uh, that's symbolized by this blood, Lord. We partake of it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And so, Lord, we say that we highly, highly value, highly, highly esteem who you are and what you've done for us and the importance of your instructions and commandments concerning our lives. Father, help us choose your ways over our own. Help us, Father, put you ahead of ourselves and so, and so that we can uh, allow you to have the kind of traction in our lives and situations that you long to have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Such a beautiful group. Um, if, you, if you will, take your, uh, your paper, your wrappings, your little empty cups, and there's a, a garbage can behind uh, on the back. Also, thank you, Miss Elaine. Uh, although Mom is not here today, she has worked really hard to get all the 2021 giving reports uh, available. So if you need those for your income tax purposes, they're on the table uh, to my left to be on your left as you go out the door on this side over here in alphabetical order.